Did you do your Sharon? Mm-hmm. All right. Frankie, are you ready in the back? I'm ready. Mike, are you ready up here? I'm ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports. I am one half of your hosting duties, as always, Nick Huffman. As always, also joined by my co-host, Mike Mensing. How was your Super Bowl weekend, my friend? Uh, it was good. What's up, Tim? Um, Hello, Tim. I actually worked both days, but I got out of work just in time to basically race to see the kickoff. Oh, so you, you have to actually sit down and watch the whole Super Bowl? Uh, no. Oh. We had to leave the Super Bowl party right after halftime. Why was this? Brianna put the baby to sleep? Well, I have a baby, and it was like 7.30, so we needed to go home and get her to bed. Oh. But, so I basically missed the... Th- third-ish quarter but i listened to a lot of it on the radio okay very nice old school on the radio right huddled yeah. around the campfire as yeah. you called it earlier yeah. this morning yeah, i told nick earlier this morning i was huddled around the campfire listening to to the third quarter and then uh the new intro interview for brian flores as well <laughs> yeah absolutely all right uh mike we got a big show for the folks this week what do we got for them yeah guys as always we do have a big show for you today uh we're gonna do our super bowl review we're gonna do a minnesota sports roundup off-season kickstarter so nick and i are going to talk about 10 storylines that we're eh, kind of watching eight but eight ten sounds, sounds like yeah, more than exactly like okay. the common man thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, and go. then we're going to do fight news at at the wrap-up uh there was a big fight this week there was between volk and makachev um and we'll talk through that yeah absolutely and then a couple of other pieces of fight news mike if they are tuning in or they're going to be tuning in in the future what platforms can they find us on outside of our live shows yeah as always we can be found on instagram tiktok facebook twitter spotify youtube patreon and twitch yes uh our twitch is reserved and ready and waiting yeah so it, just it, let us know yeah you know whenever whenever you want to see me give mike the smoke in madden like i always do um and you know maybe one of these days we'll bring this uh this this bandwagon on over to a radio station near you. So if uh, you're seeing, hearing this and you're like, hey, I don't have a good sports show in my town, write your local radio stations. We'd love to join you. Yeah. And uh, we can be found post-show as well on local cable here <laughs> in the Twin Cities area on MCN 6. That's 10 p.m. on Saturday evenings. Otherwise, uh, we can be found through your Roku app if you are not in the Twin Cities area. And, and by not in the Twin Cities area, do you mean like Japan? Sure. Do you mean like Singapore? Sure. Russia? Yep. Uh, yeah. I think. I think. I think. Russia has Roku. I think so. Yeah. Roku. Roku sounds Russian. So like that would make sense. I what guess Spain, Mexico, yep. Canada. Yep. Oh, so like literally anywhere all over the planet, this show can be found at any given time, except North Korea. Probably there is no excuse for you not to be watching. <laughs> Alrighty, and with that, we'll uh, we'll kick off the show. So thirty-eight, thirty-five, Chiefs in Super Bowl fifty-seven. We both called it. We both thought Chiefs. Um, I thought by a little bit bigger than this, but yep, both picked the Chiefs. To be honest, the game reflected what we thought, though, in my opinion. Yeah, I it thought, really did. Um, first thing I'll say is the Eagles looked like who I thought that they were, to be yep. completely honest. Sure. Um, they look like a they are a good football team. Don't get me wrong while I talk about this. They are a good football team in the NFL. They're probably top six in the NFL. I would agree. However, I don't think that they were the best team to challenge the Chiefs, and I thought they got a few lucky breaks that basically made that game closer than it should have been. Yeah. I think the the deep ball where the Chiefs DB got turned around should have been a pick. Yeah. Um, and I think le- allowing Jalen Hurts to play rugby-style QB sneaks football will be banned by next year. 
Uh, possibly. I don't know if banned is the right word, but I the NFL think... will not stand for a scrum like that. Yeah, they no, won't. Probably not long term. It's literally rugby style. That's not football, in my opinion. And yeah. it, and it can lead to injuries. It's, sure. It's something they don't want to catch on as a trend. And I think yeah. they squash it immediately, to be honest. Potentially. Uh, potentially. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed uh, in, in this game right away was first first and foremost, I don't care if it was Andy Reid. I don't care if it was Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if it was Travis Kelsey. I don't care if it was Eric Bieniemy. Whoever decided that that fly bounce motion at halftime was, against that double A-gap look was something that they were not only going to go be able to go back to once for a touchdown on one side, but again for a touchdown on the other side, and then to force the penalty that we'll get to, which was probably one of the biggest in NFL history, if you consider like just the implications of time of game and the type of game that we were playing, to draw that flag the third time that you run it all in the second half is uh, incredible. Just a genius level call to see, hey, they just don't have an answer for this. Um, Patrick Mahomes gave, and that Kansas City Chiefs gave the Eagles umpteen chances to win this game. Patrick Mahomes not on, you know, an, on, on on or pretty much on a bum ankle, um, really not being able to move the football effectively in the first half. You know, the Eagles gave it right back to him a lot of times. That fumble by Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, in a moment like that is inexcusable. Can it happen to anybody? But you have to take better care of the football. That Those are the little things, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially in the Super Bowl, plays like that are going to be magnified. Yeah. Um. Something I noticed, too, is when I was watching the Eagles offense, I just found myself thinking not so much like how good they were, yeah. but just how bad the Chiefs were. Like the Devontae Smith touchdown to tie it up 35-35. Yeah. yeah. Nobody within 10 yards. Yeah. Him, like, show me how many plays in the Super Bowl have had a receiver catch the ball with no defender within 10 yards of him. Yep. Doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, um, but what happened is the one thing that I think we see Kansas City has become a mature team. And I mean that in the way of when they don't have the best weapons on the field, when the defensive secondary is having a bad day, when Chris Jones, you know, uh, whatever, whatever the issues they may be having at the skill positions, when it comes to the trenches, when it comes to offensive and defensive line, it creates a certain floor for this team that is hard for a lot of other people to get to. I Pretty much said to all my friends all, all all season long after the Eagles had made some of those midseason additions, Linval Joseph, Nadamik and Sue, a Theo Riddick, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, um, just the overwhelming amount of interior and exterior pass rush in defensive line talent that they had for it to be nullified by Kansas City's offensive line was crucial. And then on the other side of the ball, Chris Jones alone took on that offensive line and pretty much said, hey, we're going to have to play three yards in a cloud of dust football all day. And you saw it on that last pass. It eventually did affect Jalen Hurts in his ability to throw the football because he's got a banged up shoulder and he's been in dog piles all day long. Just the, the Chiefs are going to be around for a while because of that and that alone. They, it's the same reason the Niners are always in it, regardless of who their quarterback is. Well, their trench I, play is unreal. And I think the Eagles' trench play statistics got inflated because they had an easy schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Their D-line was so great. They had the third easiest schedule throughout the NFL season, guys. So their D-line play is going to be better than somebody who has the third toughest schedule in the yeah. NFL season, right? Yep. And then if you go into the Super Bowl and you get zero sacks, that proves my point. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. They weren't that good. 
So I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, it was a fun game. Let's talk about the call that was heard around the world. Um, you have to make it. You, here's the thing. I when understand. You see, it's the it's the specific angle of him grabbing the jersey yeah. and the jersey stretching that is. It's too obvious not to call. Correct. Correct. And I I get what people say when they're like, oh. The ball would have been overthrown. I don't know if if Juju springs it, loose that, on that. That doesn't is it a matter ball, because right? it's you know a defensive I mean? holding penalty and not mm -hmm. a defensive pass interference. So the the ball in play is moot. Doesn't totally matter. agree with you. I, I'm just gonna say I agree with the gripes in a game where you saw a master class in quarterback play. Right for Patrick Mahomes to come out and score or have four scoring drives in the second half. Um, for him to scramble uh, up the field, uh, you can see on that run that wheel, just, that other wheel is just not there, and he's just—it's just like a peg, and he's just pushing off of it. And then Jalen Hurts and how impressive he was all day, and get to the end of that game, and you're like, this is going to be a classic. Somebody's going to go down, and you know, uncontested, and then the refs get involved. I get why people don't want to see the call. I, I understand but it, but at the same time, have don't, don't commit call. the holding if you're James Radbury. Exactly. Don't put yourself in position to get beat like that. Come up with an answer. Like, yeah. that's more than anything. You want to be mad at James Bradbury more than, any, you know, uh, for the penalty, that's fine. But how about blame the defensive coaching that put them in a position to get burned by the same play three separate times? And if I'm the corner and I have saw them score twice on this, Am I gonna? Am, am I forcing myself to play that more aggressively to make sure that we don't wind up with the same result? Because then the game is over. Yes, coach that situation better, and don't put your guys in that spot. Yeah, I mean the fact that you give up twenty four points in the second half, seventeen of them in the super in the fourth quarter yeah. in the Super Bowl. That's that's tough look. And then you go turn around, and you get a head coaching job somewhere else. So yeah. congratulations oh, so, to him. Woo. And and you know what? That is my biggest question about the Philadelphia Eagles. This Their OC's season. gone. Their DC's gone. I love Nick Sirianni. I think what he was able to do it with his belief in Jalen Hurts was something special. And I think their schedule is going to be a lot tougher next year. And I don't know. I I I always kind of felt like Philly was a collective at the coaching position. Sure. Now that those guys are gone, how well? Can Nick Sirianni, with success and expectation, steer this ship now by himself? And they've got a lot of big free agent decisions to make this offseason as well. Could the Eagles, if he doesn't do this right, slide back to a nine-win team again? Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to see exactly what he's made out of this offseason. I mean, to be honest, I think that's who the Eagles were. I think they were a nine- to ten-win team who had the 30s. Third easy yeah. schedule and coasted. And yeah. then again, the Giants in the divisional round, we knew the Giants weren't that good. As right. Vikings fans, we know that, right? Yes. And then they played the Niners with a four string quarterback. Like, and then they played the Chiefs defense, which is not a good defense. They've relied on their offense all year. They play quarterback with one leg. The truth he of the matter comes out. The truth, quarter, of the, the truth of the matter is the NFC has one team right now. That is as talented as the AFC's top five teams. The 49ers. And it's the 49ers. 100%. And that is it, folks. 100%. The only team that's close. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't think I had anything else for you, Frankie. With that, I think we should open it up to the fans and let you guys tell us what you thought yeah, about the absolutely. Super Bowl as well. Absolutely. What did you think of the holding call? Yeah. Would you have called it? Love to know. Um, with that, let's transition into our Minnesota sports roundup section. 
Yeah, um, I think this is this is important to you know to kick things off. Let's talk about the introduction of our you know a, a year to the date of us introducing Kevin O'Connell. We introduced Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator. Um, I took made a point to watch all of the content with him involved in it. Um, you know, throughout the last forty eight hours, I think they've been putting stuff out, Vikings Network, uh, things like that. Mike, what are your first impressions of Brian Flores here in Minnesota? He is who I thought he was. Oh, yeah. 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that bringing Flores in was going to bring an aggressive style of defense. He specifically said during his interview that he is an aggressive person. Uh, yeah. And he also made the important distinction immediately after by saying he's not reckless. Correct. He's aggressive. Yes. Um, and that was kind of our concern a little bit last week when, when mm-hmm. talking about it was that we gave up some of the, or I think the most big plays in the NFL last year, over, right? Over the last two years, actually. Um, and when you play cushion, that can lead to happen, but also it can happen when you blitz recklessly. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was kind of something that we touched on last week. So it was good to hear him point that out, that he's going to be intelligent with his blitzes and they're yep. going to be possibly check blitzes or they're going to be called blitzes in the huddle that you come out and basically see who's coming depending on the formation that they line up in offensively. Um, just hearing him talk, I like what he says. Yes. He knows his stuff. Um the collaboration between him and KOC and Quasi sounds like it's going to be a really nice, well-oiled machine moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that the the moves that they make to make this Flores' defense. Yes. You know, for me, it was very interesting. There was a lot of interesting things that came out of that press conference. Just little nuggets for me that I'm go- like, you sit there and you go, okay, okay. You know what? Better than I thought. The fact that um, one of the things when he interviewed for the job that him and Kevin O'Connell had talked about was the type of players that are already on this roster and how they would fit with his scheme and kind of already giving him the nod to, hey, when you come in, the input that you have on the players that are going to be a part of this defense fucking matters. Right. Um, that's super important. And to give that guy that nod before he accepts that, you know, before he even accepts the offer is huge. Um, I think when he sat down and said, you know, two years or a couple of years ago when he was here and his daughter took his first steps in U.S. Bank Stadium, folks, let's not undersell this. We do have one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL, and we do have the ability to make a lot of coaches and, you know, mid to high tier level players, Linval Joseph, Eric Kendricks, guys, they they stay here. If his daughter's first steps were taken here, I don't, I'm not 100% sure that this is a one-and-done thing for Brian Flores. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a one-and-done thing. I think he does think that this is a, a really good fit. Um, to go Everything that contend. he has said in his interviews and everything really comes off as genuine. Oh, yeah. Um, I think he's had a rocky past few years with the whole Dolphins thing and then <laughs> yeah. missing the Giants boat. Um, Minnesota as a whole, as a state, generally for its population mm-hmm. brings stability oh yeah um versus other states so sure. like, i don't think that there's a mistake that he went to the midwest where you can kind of put roots down he has a young family he has a good position in a good football culture where I, and i think, I think can, this was a smart move by him and I, I think he thought about things like that for his life yeah and i think you know you look at it now and you're starting to see this groundswell of belief in the situation that kevin o'connell has put the vikings in regardless of salary cap things all of the things that we are worrying about on the outside now let's take this inventory on this wes phillips highly touted offensive coordinator who just ran one of the most talented offenses turned down a job offer in san diego or in la yep. With the Chargers, because he said what? 
because there's unfinished business here and there's things we need to, and there's things that we can pursue. And then Brian Flores, who wasn't even a part of this organization last year, turned down two head coaching opportunities to return to Minnesota under the very, under very, very similar pretexts, which is this team is not that far off. Now, regardless of what the general public may think, the guys that are sitting in that office are a whole hell of a lot smarter than we are. So if that is what we are hearing from guys whose careers are built around the success of the teams that they coach, maybe we should put and be putting a little bit more stock into what is occurring in the Minnesota Vikings front office with the players moving forward instead of this kind of grim outlook that we've kind of had over the last couple of weeks with a lot of questions about salary cap and JJ's contract and Kirk Cousins and the veterans that do or don't stay and things like that. You see what I'm saying? To be honest, I have a grim outlook for the future of the veterans on this team, but I don't have a grim outlook for the team itself. Yes. Um, I will not be changing the amount of stock that I have in this football team moving forward because I feel like I have an appropriate amount of stock in this football team moving forward. And Mike says that is very little. Uh, no, I actually have quite a bit because I truly believe that this is the staff that can turn from yes. the Kirk Cousins, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks era. Yes. And start moving towards the JJs, the Cam Bynums, the those types of KJ Osborne's, those types of players that are going to emerge and yeah. kind of become this new wave. Yeah. If Brian Flores has autonomy over his defense yeah. and the ability to bring in his own guys, KOC has autonomy over his offense and the ability to bring in his own his own guys, and are and both are working with Quasi through the draft and free agency. Yeah. I trust that this is going to be a well-oiled machine two, three years down the road. Yes, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see what does evolve. I think it's kind of like, hey, this is going to be a fun ride. I think it might end with some really deep playoff runs. Mm -hmm. Maybe not this year, but let's watch and see. Yeah, I think people are, there's going to be, there's a window. There is a window for the Vikings still of about four years where they can well, contend. What, what, to me, really determines your window is what you do at the quarterback position, mm -hmm. maybe this year or next year. The thing is, if you draft a quarterback next year, your window could be five years from now. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's the thing. Is like how they approach what this competitive rebuild looks like. Hey, the, we, we talked about it, right? Determines last year, the last year was what? Competitive? This yeah. year is? Rebuild. And if they can be competitive in the process, great, but... They, I don't see why you can't be, to be honest. Yeah, and no, I absolutely. Mean, I understand that we're going to have a tougher schedule as a division winner. But Kansas City is mid. Let's not get it twisted. Kansas City is mid rebuild. They are reinvesting stock into the defensive line. They are retooling young their, on the O line. Young on the O line. They're retooling their wide receiving yeah. core right now, and they won a Super Bowl. But they did it by making the tough choice. They so, cut the Tyree Kill. So do you trade just Justin Jefferson? <sighs> Because to be honest, I don't hate the move. The as long only, as you, if you got five picks back like they did for Hill, here's the unfortunate truth. The only reason I don't is because what the is because of what the Vikings have showed me over the last five years, which is they don't draft well. This is a new regime. I, I get it, but his first class not passing it necessarily right now with flying colors. A lot is yet to be obviously observed on guys like Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen, but as of right now, the best picks that came out of last year's draft were Ed Ingram, who started but was not all that great, and a Caleb Evans. Brian Osamoa, who might be the biggest bright you a know Caleb Evans played well. Yeah, yeah. Three concussions later, how much is left of that guy, right? Like um so yes, but the thing is is I think JJ in it because we saw it in LA. 
JJ and another weapon, a serviceable running back, and a more of a improvisational quarterback, a guy who can make the off script, who can extend the play a little bit, can win you a Super Bowl. Can you win a Super Bowl with Kirk and JJ becomes the question, and the answer is no. So you have not, you have a choice to make. We either replace Kirk and we go the 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 Rams route pretty much, right? Or you move off JJ and surround Kirk with an absurd amount of young talent, a la Kurt Warner. Uh, I don't or, think it's an either or. You can't have saying. both. I think you can, and I think that's what we're going to see. I think there's a possibility that that's can. what we see. Either that, or they move from Kurt. They those have are to the move from Kurt. those are the two most likely scenarios. I mean, here's the thing: you trade JJ away, you get a Hall of Five draft picks. You use one of those picks for a quarterback of the future, sure, and then you surround him with the other four. Like that, you can do both. It's been done. So sure. I don't know. It's like I said, the most interesting thing about the Vikings <laughs> is what is the team going to look like in 2025? Yeah. Right. I think it's going to look vastly different. But, so, yeah, I would agree. Uh, keep watching. Wild watch thoughts on the Minnesota wild as of late. Just floating out there in the middle of the ocean, just kind of up and down, back and forth. They're, that's who they, they fucking are, right? They now. are treading water. Uh, they're three, six, and one in their last 10, coming off two game losing streak. Uh, lost to the Panthers, two to one. It's always tough. Yeah. Um, lost to the Avalanche, three to two. Yeah, man. It's, uh, hmm. My question for you, just let's let's look at the statistics because yeah. I have a specific question for you. Sure, okay? sure. Um, sorry. You start digging on Marc-Andre Fleury, I'm going to unplug that laptop. I'm not going to dig, but I am going to be objectively critiquing him. Okay. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. I have a thought on this regardless. So. so we have two goalies here. Sure. One has played 21 games. One has played 33 games. Gotcha. Uh, one is allowed 2.18 goals against. One is allowed 2.98. Mm. The one with 2.18 has a 93% save percentage. The one with 2.98 has a 90.1 save okay. percentage. Which goalie is your number one moving forward? The guy with a 93% save percentage. Thank you. That's all I want. Yeah. If Philippe Gustafson becomes the number one and Mark Andre spot starts him mm-hmm. and maybe you want to 2-2 in the playoffs, Andre Fleury comes in and gets that game five win. That's a huge one. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think that they need to start approaching this because Fleury is pretty dang close to dried up and done. You know what I want? And more that was than the it, fear. You know what I want more than anything? That's somebody is, on the show had. I know. And valid. it was a valid concern, right? Maybe we are seeing the cliff. Maybe he isn't going to quite make it to the end. You know what the greatest part about it is? You have the next Mark Andre Fleury, who just won AHL Goalie of the Month for the second month in a row in Iowa in Jesper Walstead. I think it's just time. I, I I really think it is. Would I be upset if they called him up and carried three goalies up until the playoffs? I wouldn't be because that kid needs to learn from what Mark Andre Fleury has left before there's nothing left for him to learn from, and. Who knows if the kid is playing lights out by the end of the season, do you really need Marc-Andre Fleury or can you just bench him and have him play the mentorship role? Or if one of these guys goes down or whatever, and you've got two solid young athletic goalies, you don't have to pay. Yeah. I, I, I would argue honestly to keep him down for this year. 
because mm. if he becomes, let's say he racks up one or two more AHL goalie of the months, he finishes as the AHL's best goalie of the year, yeah. and you bring him up in training camp next year. All that's going to do is boost his confidence. Sure. Give Philippe Gustafson the number one goalie spot. Let Fleury be a spot start veteran who was once the best in the game. Gustafson is second in the league right now with goals against average. Yeah. You like, what does that guy have to do to get the nod as your number one? You know, and this is two years in a row where you've seen Dean Evison kind of in in the face. He's also of, second in save percentage. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, he's kind of flying in the face of, hey, the other guy's the better goalie just because Mark Andre Fleury's in the room, which that is concerning for a second year in a row if that's what you're hitting at. Well, let's let's think about it. Since we've acquired Fleury, when we acquired Fleury, it was him and Talbot. Yeah. Statistically, who was the better goalie? Talbot. This year, we've had Flurry and Gustafson, who's statistically the better goalie. Gustafson. Huh. It's like we shouldn't have gotten Marc Andre Flurry. You know what, Mike? I'm going to give it to you. Hey, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. It took a year and eight months, but I'm going to give it to you. I fought. I clawed. I, I, I fought tooth and nail for that one point, <laughs> man, but I'm going to take it to the bank. All right. That's where the wild are. They're treading water. And we finally come to the realization that we may have made a mistake. No, we did. By bringing in Marc-Andre Fleury. All right. We made a mistake. Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a game sample size of two with Mike Conley. Um, yep. And let's just start there. Mike, your initial thoughts on the Mike Conley experience after D'Angelo Russell or takes uh, his show to L.A.? I mean, just the professionalism that he brings. Sure. I, I really appreciate listening to him in interviews post-game. Um it's just a it's a breath of fresh air after D'Lo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and understandably, this is going to take a, a couple weeks. Sure. You know, uh, teams run different sets. They have different spacing. He, he's got to learn who the weapons are because he is a true distrib- distributor. Yes, right. He so he's got to understand the weapons and the movement around him before he can distribute at his highest level. Yes. Um, well, we beat the maps. We played really good defense down the stretch and we beat the maps, which sure. was really cool to see. Because they're supposedly one of these loaded teams in the West with sure. Kyrie and Luca, and they're trying to figure it out at the same time we are. So, so Mike, let me ask you something. Who, who in that Mavs game were the the two guys that were playing lights out defense? Do you remember who who they were? Ant. Uh huh. Um, there was three of them at the very end, right? It was Ant. It was Jade, uh, Jade McDaniel's. Jade McDaniel's, and was it Conley? It was Conley. But here's what I'm gonna say. I think everybody misjudged this trade as trading D'Lo makes room for are for Ant to be the guy to steer into that skid. I don't think that's what happened. I think this was Ant's team. I think removing D'Lo out of the equation unlocks J-Mac. He had 19 points, four rebounds, and two assists against the Mavs. And I think the 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 way that they're going to play ball now, the role that he can now take over in the offense is going to lead the, the Wolves to very, very big things in the second half post-All-Star break. Him, him being engaged on the offensive end is what created his energy on the defensive end the other night. And if you were to look at that game and that game alone and go, hey, name another team that has two guys under the age of 24 that are top 10 two-way players, you can't name one outside of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And that's what they showed us the other night. Kyrie Irving was on Fire 26 points in the fourth quarter. Are you kidding me? Concerning that Luca only takes one shot, but when Kyrie's shooting the ball like that, obviously that's who you go after. And when it mattered, 
Jaden McDaniel showed up. Ant showed up. Conley showed up. And I'm like, that's a different feel. So now I watched that clip and I definitely thought, wow, that's actually really good defense. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment. So I clicked on the comments of the clip on Facebook, I think it was. And there were quite a few Mavericks fans that were basically making the argument that if this game were to be played and that situation were, were to be replayed a month from now, uh, that they would have won the game because the only reason that the uh, the Wolves, I busted, <laughs> the Wolves were able to play such good defense was because there was indecisiveness between who should take the shot between Luka and Kyrie. Sure, but guess what? That's not our problem. I disagree. I think it was led to good defense. They they were unable to get a clean look because we were right there every time. And athleticism genuinely bothered Luka. Oh, yeah. Like the first time, and I've seen, we watched Luca in that series against Paul George. We watched him against Paul George and Kawhi. We've watched him against some very athletic defenders. Anthony Edwards did something different to Luca in the fourth quarter. Like he was just, it was just, he was, just, he, was just, he was a second ahead of him. He's right. And the other thing is, Ant didn't come in. We know this now. Ant did not come in in shape. Right. Now that he's in shape, he's gonna be a motherfucker to deal with for the rest of the season. Well, don't look now, but the Wolves are actually the sixth seed in the West, and we are two and a half games out of the three seed. And it's a coming. And we got the Wizards tonight, which should should be a win. Mike, is, Mike, is this is this Timberwolves optimism that we're sensing? Dude, I look at the next four games. We should win them all. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I agree with you. We should win them all. So yeah. come on, play good basketball. You guys, you could be 35 and 29 which would put you probably at the three seed, maybe four seed, but still. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these teams are beatable. The Wizards, you know, Bradley Beal very obviously doesn't want to be there anymore. The Hornets are injured in LaMelo. I mean, Anthony Edwards nullifies LaMelo. Steph Curry Warriors, is... we somehow have the formula on to... how to beat the Warriors, which yeah. is like, okay, well, I guess we know how to beat the best team in basketball for the last 10 years. But... Exactly, and depending on if the Clippers are coming off of a back-to-back, it might be a load management night for Kawhi. So, like... You have a chance to do to do it right. And then the biggest question is going to be, what does it look like when Cat comes back? What I think Cat is, is you have Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert running the pick and roll. Yeah. You have the stud with Ant that you can kick out to if it's not there. You need that three-point shooter. I would agree with you. Cat's going to be launching seven, eight threes a game. Off of that pick and roll sub, yeah. he's going to be an outside offensive player and leave the paint for Gobert, Conley, and Ant. That's if it works. Yeah, that's what it needs to look like you know, in my it's, opinion. It, it's funny because the one thing that Chris Finch has showed us with the Conley trade is, and and leading up to it was, I don't need to have the big guy on the. I don't need to have Gobert on the floor at all times. Yeah, there, we can get up big and close small. Well, and sure, and having and another big like cat won't hurt, man. Correct. It, he's just got to be smart with how he uses him. Don't use him as a big. I, he doesn't want to be a big. Don't use him as a big. That's fine. I, I agree. I agree. My use him only, as a stretch four. My only concern is his attitude. And if things, it's very different in that locker room right now. It is Anthony Edwards' team. Carmelo Anthony is not walking into the same basketball team that he walked out on with this injury. Carmelo? Or, Carmelo? Is Carl, it Anthony, Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. He's not. He's not walking back into the same locker room. So my question is culture fit at that point because we've seen how his temper tantrum can. His temper tantrums will cost the Wolves ball well, games. The guy he had the best culture vibe with 
his deal is, is gone. gone. So I think he gets that the writing is fucking on the wall, max contract or not. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you guys think about the Minnesota Timberwolves moving forward. Do they go 4-0 in the next few games here? Uh, Ooh. Do we Ooh. see you next week with the Wolves at, at 35 wins? That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap up Minnesota Sports Roundup with Twins teaser. What do you got for the Twins here today? Uh, not a whole lot other than some Joey Gallo news. Um, so this was something that was reported on uh, Twins Daily and on MLB.com, which was uh, the that Joey Gallo looks to improve with the Twins. And by improve, uh, Mr. Popkins, the hitting coach for the Minnesota Twins, believes that he can get Joey Gallo back to 2017 to 2021 Joey Gallo, averaging about 38 home runs and... Gallo agrees that they they think he should do it. Do you take any stock in this? Do you think that he returns to form for the Twins? I will always be one of the biggest advocates that athletics in general and baseball specifically is confidence based. Sure. If you go onto a baseball diamond and you are confident in your abilities, mm -hmm. you will beat somebody who is better than you who is not confident. Correct. And this quote, sometimes we hitters get so focused on what we can't do that you don't really allow yourself to play to your strengths. It's kind of getting back to who he uh, who he was or something. Um, yeah, who he was, and he was a very, very dangerous, dangerous hitter. hitter. Yep, That's confidence, man. That mm. sounds to me like they are training his confidence and saying, this is what you did great. Yep. Look at all of these things. This is how you did it. This is your form. This is... They're pumping him up. So man. Yeah, this is a confidence boost. This is great. So the the context of this article actually says, and you can read it in the first line here. Yeah, success leaves behind clues. What they're doing is they're um, in um, apparently in the last two stops that he's had, both in New York and in uh, L.A., with one porch being so short, he has actually developed a hole in his swing that he didn't used to have on the inside he undercuts the ball more. Yep. And yep. so what they're trying to get him to do is tighten back up and level out They're Specifically, they said shorter and quicker with his swing instead of the kind of like the Prince Fielder approach that we saw for all those years. If it's doable, Gallo's power is among the league best. I mean, what, three years ago, he does hit smack dab between Aaron judge and Gwen Carlos like Stanton at 42 home runs or something crazy like that. Like it's doable. I do worry that once again, we're getting duped by twins media and the Paul pocket protectors who are trying to inflate him. But if he hits 29, I'm happy. Yeah. To be it, honest, 29, 90 RBIs. And we just need him to be able to step into the box and be like, he could hit a home run here. Sure. Yeah. And in, and yeah. And you know what I mean? Limit... And if he hits 25 to 30, that's that. Yeah. That's sure. that. That that draws some walks in key situations. Yes. That it, it plays a part if he can hit 30. Okay. We don't need him to hit the 38. That would be amazing. Trust yeah, me. Would be I, awesome. I would love it. We just don't need that. We need we need a pop bat that can hit a home run at any time. All right, Mike. Let's do this. What number does Joey Gallo have to get to for us to buy a Joey Gallo jersey for the studio? 33. 33? He hits 33 home runs or more. We'll buy a yellow jersey. There we go. We'll do it. We'll do it. Um, and then Brad Hand. Um, coming off some injuries, that's the only other thing that I have on the Twins. Sounds like there is some interest there to kind of bring him in and, I guess, kind of rehabilitate him a little bit. Any interest in this? Um, to be honest, I hadn't heard too much. I've heard a little bit. Um, 
Is Brad Hand still playing baseball? This one article. <laughs> um, he is, and the Twins would like to have him pitch. Yeah, I guess I'm not. He's from Minneapolis, Kansas. Okay. Um, last year with the Phillies started zero games. He's um, yeah, I guess he was a starter, but he's not anymore, is he? Mm-hmm. Fifty-five games. 2.8 ERA, 1.3 whip. That's not bad at all. Yeah, I just, I think if it's the last What stop, was the injury? I believe it was the elbow. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, evaluate through camp. I'd be interested. Spring invite, maybe? He's, I mean, he's had one bad year. Other than that, 2.05 ERA, 0.77 whip. 2.7 ERA, 1.28 whip. 2.8 ERA, 1.3. That'd be our best reliever. <laughs> Outside of Yohan Duran, but yeah. Like, seriously, though. So, yeah, I'm interested. Let's do it. Bring him in. That's all I got on the Twins. Anything else? Pitchers and catchers reported, so we'll win we'll ball games this year. You know what, Mike? Next week, should we do our patented lap around baseball before spring training? Sure. Let's do it. It's patented. It's patented. Uh, with that, we're going to do our main segment of the day, off-season Kickstarter is what we're going to call it. Yes, sir. We've got tunage. We've got tunage. Uh, we're going to talk of quite a few storylines to watch. We each have four, it looks like. Yeah, we want to go every other? Sure. Uh, I'll start. Uh, it. The the main one to me, as frustrating as an, and as annoying as it is, yeah. as a Vikings fan, it affects our season and our team, and that's yeah. whether or not number 12 comes back to the Green Bay Packers. Whether or not number 12 comes back at all, whether or not number 12 comes back to somebody else. That, yeah. is, the, that is the question he is... Two days into a four-day darkness retreat, where I'm sure he is doing all the ayahuasca in the world. I think that's. Pretty I hope much what he's that was just key. envisioning a Jets logo. <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and continue to follow the far the 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 far of a brick road. Hey, I'm not gonna lie, I'd take him a year from now. Yeah, what? That's what it would be, right? One year. Yeah, I'd take him a year from now for two years. For two years. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Look at Mike. Just already, t- already turning the corner on Aaron. Oh, I wouldn't root for him. <laughs> I'd root for the purple, and he'd help the purple. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, yeah, what's your we, first storyline to watch? Um, first one for me is going to be Sean Payton's impact. I don't think we can underestimate the not only the situation that he's placed himself in, but the impact he's going to have on the situation now that he's there. This is his last big coaching stop. He's like, also going to a team now in the division of the defending Super Bowl champion. Correct. And with potentially Aaron Rodgers on the way, right? Like I think the Raiders and Aaron Rodgers a reuniting of, of him and Devontae Adams is in, is a potential. The Raiders. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders. Sean Payton. Yeah, I know you were talking. I was just talking about the impact on the situation, right? Like, oh, okay. Like the, Oh, okay. So I apologize. Let's make this very clear for the fans at home because this is where I went. I thought you were talking about Sean Payton's impact on the Denver Broncos. You're talking about the Sean Payton impact as far as where pieces are going to fall throughout the offseason. Correct. Okay. Correct. Two very different things. Yep, absolutely. You know, you look at the magnitude of him being there. He does have name value to a, free, to a lot of free agents. Um, relationships that he's made throughout the league over a course of years for trade value, his ability to – and he's always drafted well um, when it comes to – surrounding or at least the weapons positions like late round wide receivers late round running backs finding offensive linemen that work early i would agree he's actually if you look at his draft record yeah quite quite successful so the the 
Now, Denver doesn't have a lot of draft capital right now, but if that's how Sean Payton chooses to build his teams, does that mean his team looks maybe different coming into the offseason? Trading some more pieces to generate, you know, offset Russell Wilson's cap hit like he did with Drew Brees for all those years. It's going to be a really interesting offseason just to kind of see what should have happened with the Broncos a year ago. Sure. Right. Uh, my next storyline to watch is going to be the offense coordinator for the Super Bowl defense or Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Um, it is Eric Bieniemy. He has an interview here with the Washington Commanders for their OC job. I personally disagree with this. I think it's a lateral move, if not a demotion. You're going to a team that has a worse front office, a worse quarterback, a worse head coach. Um, so you're basically making it harder for yourself. Your your argument I, I respect is basically he's he's going to show that he can call plays. Yeah. And but it's, at it's, the same time, to me, the situation that I see is Andy Reid's going to retire in a year or two and he's going to be the heir apparently. I don't know if Andy Reid's going to retire in a year or two. I think, you know, as long as Patrick is around, there's no reason to. You know what I mean? Like you just ride. Well, there's that also train. no reason for Eric Bienemy to leave. How many rings does he want? But like, I believe his goal has always been to become a head coach of the NFL, okay. right? So you have to, kind of like with Brian Flores, you go with your gut feeling and where you need to go, right? You think if, that's Washington? I don't think it's Washington, but I think he understands that they have a young quarterback that he can mold. They drafted Howell last year. Okay. You know what I mean? Heineke is very much there. Um, can you Maybe he tries to revitalize who you know an, an, another quarterback, but... You've got McLaurin. You've got a half decent offensive line. You got Brian Robinson. You're in the NFC East, which any given year you can win that division um, based on injuries or salary caps or whatever happens to the Dallas Cowboys or whatever, right? He needs to go show that he can call plays because that's the one knock unfairly that he's getting in all all of his interviews. I'll you know I said this to you before the show. There are three or four other guys that have been offensive coordinators under Andy Reid that have gotten head coaching jobs without ever having called plays. So. The question for me becomes what's so different about Eric Bieniemy to where he's interviewed for 16 head coaching jobs and not received a single one of them. Let's take, you know, a second and look at that for what it is. But if if that's what he needs to do, then maybe he is saying, yeah, I just need to leave to go get that on my resume. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch if he leaves the Chiefs. Does that have an impact? I know that him and Mahomes didn't really get along anyway. And like you said, he wasn't calling plays. So it, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting to watch. What's Very your second storyline? Um, that the Ravens are taking trade offers. Now, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty sure before the season started last year, I said that before this season, this upcoming season started, Lamar Jackson would not be the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. They are still reportedly $100 million apart in guaranteed money on his contract. And they're planning to franchise tag him is the word, but you know what I didn't hear in there was unconditional was the um, there's two different franchise tags, right? There's the unconditional one or something like that. So the way that it goes, you're the, my salary cap guy. I thought there was one. There's two different types of franchise tags. One is like they franchise tag him, and it, it's pretty much put aside. The other Do you one want me to look it up. Yeah. The other one is the way that the rules work. I believe is they can put a franchise tag on him. And then he can go search for offers, a la Devontae Adams last year or Tyreek Hill. Okay, the most t- common type of franchise tag is the non-exclusive one, non-exclusive which means that either. NFL players can still negotiate with other teams following the application of the tag. 
Meanwhile, the ex- exclusive franchise tag prevents players from negotiating with other teams. So he's going to get a non... When they say franchise tag, they did not say exclusive. I think it's going to be a non-exclusive franchise tag and a la Devontae Adams last year, a la Tyree Kill behind the scenes, a la Deshaun Watson in his situation. Lamar's going to be able to go wherever he wants and go, all right, the tag is... the the. The deal is $250 million guaranteed for over at least five years. That's the contract that he wants. And whatever team is going to give it to him, the Ravens are going to say, because they're going to have to conditionally negotiate that if we let you do this, you're this is the framework for what we want in return. It's just going to be one of those things where, like, you turn on the television and Lamar Jackson's been traded. It He's not staying in Baltimore. I don't care. The off, it came out the other day, by the way, that offensive coordinators that were interviewing for that job were not guaranteed that Lamar was going to be back. Jason Lockenfora yep. says, more than one NFL general manager came away from the Senior Bowl fairly convinced that Justin Fields will be dealt. Yeah. Now, typically, quarter, quarterbacks are schematically compatible. compatible. Teams that run offenses like to get quarterbacks that are schematically compatible for their team right those two are similar styles yeah do we see a move between the bears and ravens uh potentially but i don't really don't want to have to play lamar twice a year i was going to say but here's the caveat with that with what they have in both a high draft pick and a quarterback i think that deal can be done and it doesn't have to involve lamar jackson fair enough all right uh speaking of quarterbacks my next storyline to watch is what happens in the 49ers quarterback room now this is interesting uh george kittle did come out and say on, the, quarter, on the 49ers qb situation that it, it, it is brock's job to lose yeah which i probably agree with yes but i think he might lose it because he here's the thing at the end of the day in camp what it looks what they are judging is who looks the most polished Correct. who's taking over the team the most who's doing these things the experience of veterans jimmy garoppolo and yes trey lance hasn't played a game but he's been in the nfl and he knows how to run a team like that as Three a quarterback years. It's going to be a tough sell for Brock Purdy to make it through camp as that team's number one quarterback unless they invest in Brock Purdy and they get those two out of house. I think that there is with all of the with all of the quarterback movement that is going on this offseason and Aaron Rodgers is very obviously the biggest domino to fall. If he retires, you're putting three team situations in absolute freefall because then all of a sudden the best quarterback on the market is Derek Carr, right? Trey Lance could become a very, very, very interesting trade piece for the 49ers. You got to the NFC Championship and damn near beat the Eagles without him having an arm. If you move Trey Lance and go get another pick, another piece, another starter, that's a Super Bowl roster with Brock Purdy on it. It is. It is. Uh, It's going to be very interesting to watch what happens in that quarterback room. I think a lot of it. That's going to be developing. It's going to be in that August time period when they report to camp and they're competing for that job. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. It's going to be interesting because Brock Purdy is six months away from being able to throw. He'll be fine. That's August. All right. Um, Your next storyline, sir. What's going on with the Rams? I think they've kind of. Sean McVay said he's sticking around. He's sticking around. But the questions now become, when we've already seen it floated, are they going to have to start to move off some of these High-end, fuck-them-pick-style players. Does Aaron... Can you move Aaron Donald? Well, here's the for thing. the right price? Can when you, you move Jalen Ramsey? for can years you, for talent... You gotta start bringing them back at some it, point. It, those players get old. And they're expensive. And they're expensive. 
you got to basically churn it over now. And if McVeigh is in it for the long haul, yeah. that's how you do it. Is you trade Donald, you trade Ramsey, you trade Stafford, you you might even like the whole fucking you, I thing. Mean, you could almost you know you could move on from Cooper Cup. Yeah, you, you, you like, know if if you want a Super Bowl again in the next five years, if you're McVeigh, you got to reset it. You got to do what the Eagles did and reset the whole fucking thing, which is super intriguing because. I mean, I've already seen some reports about uh, the defense, uh, the number five from the Rams being a sleeper home here in Minnesota with his connection to Kevin O'Connell and some of the other things that we have going on that as far as needing a defensive back. That would yeah. be sick. Or, you know, that would be a jersey I'd probably get. Or Aaron Donald. Would you trade Daniil Hunter and Zadaria Smith and Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson for Aaron Donald? <laughs> no. That's too much, but you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. it's There's close. Plenty of options it's close. There. Uh, my next storyline is what happens to Geno Smith? Comes off comeback player of the year. Yeah, sets up, uh, puts up Seahawk franchise records in passing touchdowns, beating Russell Wilson. Yeah. Rumors are Seahawks are looking for a new quarterback next year. Geno Smith might be one of the most intriguing quarterback free agents out there. So if I'm Pete Carroll, I'm looking at one of two avenues of approach. And the unfortunate truth is neither one of them likely have Geno Smith as my long-term solution. The first one is going to be, is Geno, and only Pete Carroll knows this, capable of mentoring a project quarterback? It's been proven that if you get a project quarterback and you have the right guy, more oftentimes than not, it will work. Yep. Um, you need that mentor. You absolutely need it. Aaron Rodgers had Brett Favre. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo even had Tom I don't know Brady. If that's the best example, but well, okay, okay. Um, Patrick Mahomes Favre was a dick to him. Pa, uh, Al, Patrick Mahomes had Alex Smith. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, Just, there are tons of examples, and that's why I was saying, like, I don't know if the Rogers Favre one. Favre was like the, an asshole to him. That's the, the first time, one I could but, grab. Yeah, him, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, I think if he has the capability to do that, then you grab a guy, Bo Nix, Anthony Richards. You grab a pro, a true project. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Anthony Richardson. Um, a true project guy that you can begin to build an offense around, not this year, but the following year. If he is not capable of doing so, I'm trading Geno Smith and draft capital to get up inside the top three and get yourself a CJ Stroud or. So it's top three. That would be like Texans. Do the Texans want Geno? Is he better than Davis Mills? Yeah, maybe probably. Something to watch. Something, Something to watch. To watch. Something to watch. <laughs> What's your last one? Um, I'm so I'm so intrigued by the future of Mike McCarthy. Dan Quinn. I don't think there is a future of Mike McCarthy, dog. Yeah, I know. So it's just weird to me. They they make Kellen Moore the scapegoat. Kellen Moore only led that off at the the Dallas offense to be what the second and fifth most effective or most yard gaining offenses over a three year span, right? And they let him walk out the door to the Chargers. Mike McCarthy is going to retake control of the offense. Last time he called plays, Aaron Rodgers threw more balls out of bounds than he completed. That's the guy you're going to have calling plays next year. And Dan Quinn and that defense who where everybody is about to get paid. Trayvon Diggs is up this year. Micah Parsons is up next year. You've got, and you've still got other exp guys you're going to have to pay. Javon Kearse has been a starter for them for three years now. He's going to want some money at some point. If all your money's going to the defensive side of the ball, if all your production and all your stars are on the defensive side of the ball, who should your head coach probably be? 
your defensive-minded head coach in Dan Quinn, who has kept you afloat over the last three years. I don't know why they just don't make that move now. Well, I think they're going to invest in Dak Prescott. And that's the McCarthy method is he's going to run an offense around his quarterback and Prescott's going to show that he's not a franchise quarterback because he throws, throws too many picks. I don't even, and I don't know if, if Dak in th- with all of the quarterback things that are going on this off season, I'm not sure he's safe. Uh, I think he's safe this off season, but I think his handcuffing to Mike McCarthy brings them both down. Uh, that is our storylines to watch throughout the off season. Let us know if we missed any, uh, and what you're watching. Yeah. What are you watching? Uh, with that, we're going to transition to UFC fight news. I'm going to try my best with Gabe not here today to kind of go back and forth with Nick, but it is going to be a Nick-led segment. Uh, first and foremost, John Kavanaugh's Mendez comparison. Uh, no, we're going to go with the Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway fight first. My apologies. That's my at guy. the bottom. I'm sorry. Um, okay. UFC 284 over the weekend, obviously. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky, pound-for-pound title. Islam Makachev in Australia. First of all, great event. The fights were great, except for the main event. I'm sorry. I know people look at Islam and they go, look, he muscled around Alexander Volkanovsky and this, that, and the other thing. But what the fight really was, was Islam laying on him, not landing significant strikes, not any submission attempts, nothing. I could argue that outside of how crisp Islam looked in the brief moments where they were on the feet, that Alexander Volkanovsky won that fight. I've I've heard that quite a bit, that people judged it very similarly, but the other way. Yeah, and the, the issue is, at most, this, because of what was on the line, and I know this is going to sound contradictory to what we said with football, but in fighting, the pound-for-pound title matters. The belts matter. The, the 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 prime that the fighters are in all matters, right? You can't if it is that close, you shouldn't be calling it one way or the other. You call it a majority draw and you run it back in three months. Can they still run it back? You can, but the UFC had to sacrifice some credibility to do it. The the pound for pound rankings where Islam was two and Alex was one before the fight came out for after the fight this Tuesday. And guess what? The order didn't change. Even though Islam now has a win over Alex Volkanovsky, he's Alexander Volkanovsky, he still sits at number two. Those Which I agree with. I, I do too. But the 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 if you drop Alex to number two, you can't run that rematch back because then the UFC is acknowledging that he has surpassed him in pound for pound. Sure. So, but that list, that pound for pound list for them has been crucial forever. Well, it's been one of their driving one, factors. Leaving exactly. him at one leaves the door open for a rematch then, right? Right. But I'm just saying like the UFC wouldn't have had to sacrifice the credibility of their pound for pound rankings if you just call it a draw, which the referees should, the scoring should have done. Nobody landed anything significant, and the only person to land like a dropping blow was Alexander Volkanovsky on Islam in the third second round. Yeah. So I, you you have to run it back, in my opinion, and I don't think Islam's gonna gonna make it through the next one. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky to me looked a little he looked heavier. But he didn't look like he had had time to fill out. We t- kind of talked about this with the Connor thing when he used to go up to 170, coming up from 155. He just his his power didn't travel because that's not what his body's naturally at. His, there's no way your body has adjusted to that. Sure. If you give 
Volkanovsky another six months to fill out that frame and become a true 155-pounder, I don't know if Islam makes it out of the cage next time. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Now, John Kavanaugh's Mendez comp. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, the hype train has already started as Conor McGregor is kind of re-entering the UFC atmosphere, getting ready for the ultimate fighter. Um Coach Kavanaugh has said on multiple occasions, for those of you that don't know, that the only way he would go back to training Conor McGregor is if he was serious about the fight game and has done a a little bit of a media tour here ahead of obviously being in camp with him for the television show and is saying things like, this could be Conor's Chad Mendez comparison. This is a comparison that he's making to JSP or to GSP when he moved, he took about three years off and then moved up officially to 170 and put on an absolute light show. So that is high praise from one of the UFC's most respected coaches. Mike, let's start there. Other comments, by the way, have been, he looks re-obsessed. He looks passionate. I've never seen him more pumped up. Sean O'Malley has come out and said that on the feed, Connor still looks sharp. Are you starting to buy any of the media around Connor's return? No. <sighs> Not yet. Such a hard sell, my guy. There was media around his return last time, and then he lost. There was media around his return the time before that, and he lost. There was media around his return the time before that. And he won. He beat Donald Cerrone. Oh. Yeah, he beat Cowboy. What about the time before that? He lost. Yeah. Okay. So he's one in three in his last fights. I don't I don't know. It's 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 cool. It's gonna be a big draw, obviously, to see Connor back. Um good for him. Should we go? Should we go? Maybe the last time we get to see one of the legends of the UFC fight. I, I'm okay. You can go. You, you and should, Gabe should go. You should go. You and Gabe should you go. You should go. Uh, Izzy backs Francis while hinting at retirement. Uh, yeah, this one was interesting. Uh, he's obviously been doing some media ahead of the Alex Pereira fight. Um, MMA Junkie reports Israel Adesanya wants to leave on top. Doesn't think he'll be fighting in five years. How old is he? Uh, he's 36, I believe. Yeah, you better not be fighting in five like years. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's interesting. Uh, he obviously comes to the UFC a little bit later than most because of his kickboxing career already. Um, this doesn't necessarily surprise me. I was almost actually worried about this when I saw Francis leave the UFC. The free, the three African princes have pretty much been in line their entire meteoric rise to the top. Francis, Kamara, and Izzy. And with one domino missing out of the three, I did worry about the other two. Kamara Usman has already talked about how bad his knees are. How many fights does he has have left? Izzy's only thing he's really fighting for at this point is beating uh, Piera in a rematch. And outside of that, he's done all that he needs to do, if I'm being totally honest with you. Yeah, see, this is the the worry that I have with the UFC and organizations that are built up like this is you put so much media into a few guys. Yeah. Connor, the three African princes. What happens after that? Yeah. It's tough to fill that void if you don't have a LeBron James stepping in after Michael. Yeah. And right now, I don't see one personally. Do you? Sean O'Malley, maybe? Sean O'Malley is definitely going to get his fair share of media run. Um, I definitely think that with John Jones being back for eight, yeah, fights, but again, they've that's bringing it. him back because they don't have anybody else younger that's filling that. Do you see my point? True, but they've pushed that's it out. That's the WWE bringing back yeah, Brock yeah, Lesnar because yeah. no. they don't have a fighter. I totally agree with you, but they've pushed that one out far enough. Eight fights for John Jones is going to cover three years. You have to remember who else is in the a guy that's in the heavyweight division who's going to kind of have the Khabib treatment is Kamara Usman's older brother who just won the other season of the Ultimate Fighter. 
there is heavyweights in that division that are coming. It has been stagnated by Francis's whole fucking ordeal lately, okay. right? Um, you know, then you look at uh, 170. There are some exciting guys coming up at 170. Um, 155. Name is always- name like one or two. You're just saying that there's guys coming. Name name one other is than it, Sean O'Malley. Is, oh, Sean O'Malley's at 135. But he's like the the only big name that's under 26 that's coming up. Uh, Bo Nickel. No, not Bo. Uh, Bo Nix. Um, he's a quarterback that's going to be drafted. Is, oh, then it is Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel is, he's a wrestling savant, like gold medalist, world class. Okay. Good on the feet. He's on the way. Um, You know. Uh, Do you see my point? I, I see where there are some gaps, but the, the beauty of it is, I like Yair Rodriguez also, by the way, I will say that. His, his, his win against Josh Emmett, his striking style is going to win a lot of people over. Um, but there's, there's, there was always kind of a hole. And then somebody, the, the thing about the fight game is it just takes one underdog to beat a, a legit fighter to reignite that same energy, right? That's, that's what's so beautiful about how the UFC is set up, right? If Sean O'Malley goes out and gives Aljamain Sterling two piece and a biscuit and he goes out in the first round, UFC has nothing to fucking worry about. If John Jones come in and starches surreal gone, the UFC has nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? Like it, it really is. I think Pierre is another one of them. If Pierre hangs around for a while and just mashes on guys between 185 and 205. All I'm saying is I think that's the storyline as we watch these big names leave. Yeah. Is who fills that void? I, I, I wouldn't disagree there. I wouldn't so, disagree. I think that's it, right? Wow. That was a, I felt like this was a quick show. That was a quick show. About an hour and 20. Nice and tight. Nice. Tight like a toy guy. <laughs> guy knew it was fucking coming. With that, guys, if you are a sports fan with sports fan friends, make sure to like and share and follow. And subscribe. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube, and Patreon. Uh, and you Twitch. can find us on <laughs> Cable in the Twin Cities at MCN6, Saturdays at 10 p.m. Also through your Roku app if you are anywhere other than the Twin Cities area on planet Earth. To include Saigon, we made it. Yep. Uh, with that, yeah, absolutely. Um, Frankie, thanks for stepping in for Gabe this week. Absolutely incredible production value. Thank you so much. Well, that's a, a golf of, clap yeah. right there. Round golf of clap. round of applause. Round of applause. And uh, make sure you guys join us next week as we were. I think we're going to do our lap around baseball. Start checking in on some spring training stuff. Uh, obviously, we're going to get more familiar with the NBA as their uh, the All Star break is coming up. And as always, we'll have any football news that drops ever on this show until next time. Take care, stay safe, have fun. There we go. The volume button got her. NBC. No relation to NBC.